Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you are in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. On today's show, we have Julie Blankenheim and Mike Nikeza. Since founding Chicago Lightworks in 2017, Mike and Julie have led the organization as managing principals. Chicago Lightworks is a lighting and control solution-based sales agency focused on the Chicago market. They represent over 100 lighting and control manufacturers, including the anchor lines of Signify, formerly Philips Lighting, and Legrand. Mike was a born leader who is driven with the tenacity to win. He oversees the organization's design and process, finance, and channel sales team. Julie has an award-winning lighting design and marketing background and a robust lighting education. With her blend of professional connections and passion for lighting, Chicago Lightworks has been able to foster the fastest-growing lighting and control sales team in Chicago. Chicago Lightworks has grown an average of 15% per year, uh, and they believe that everything starts with the foundation of their internal culture, trust, respect, and empathy. Their culture is for aggressive growth in the revenue and profit places, while also forming a daring culture to win. One cool nod to Chicago Lightworks is the success uh, they've had recently, which uh, three out of the five offices that were listed on the Crane's coolest offices uh, were their projects. So with all that said, and very few butchered last names, Julie and Mike, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Thanks for having Thanks for us. us. We're excited. Absolutely. We're excited. You are our first uh, duo uh, interview. So like it's always me and Will and we're always ganging up on, on the guests. And now the guests have uh, just as much power as we do. So we're really excited about it. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You met your For sure. So I gave the spiel uh, what I think is, is important. But uh, tell us, tell us both of your origin stories. Uh, you know, what what was your you know, full on upbringing since you were six? <laughs> no, um, tell us how you got into lighting and tell us sales. Tell us the whole story and then tell us about Chicago Lightworks. Yeah, for sure. You want to take the lead on that, Julie, with yourself, your background? Uh, sure, sure. So I started in lighting 22 years ago. So I hate to admit it, but as I right out of college, I went to TCU, studied interior design, right out of college, went to work for Lighting Design Alliance in Long Beach and learned everything I know about lighting from Chip Israel, a lighting designer who's still in business. Uh, then many years later, I got out of lighting design and went into sales. Um, I never thought I would go to the dark side, but uh, did specification sales as a direct employee for Philips Lighting for a number of years and went into a management role of a sales team there, uh, met Mike in the process. Um, it'll dovetail into his story. And then um, we decided to make some moves in Chicago and form Chicago Lightworks. And I'll, I'll let him kind of Thanks, tell the story. Yeah, so uh, my brief background started um, in industrial construction supplies with Fast and All, really running a branch, getting your uh, feet wet on what it is to run in a P&L and understand the bigger scope of what a business is about, uh, which, which uh, was helpful along the way, that's for sure. Uh, in in 2010, just uh, I think it was a month or two earlier than you, mm -hmm. 
I started with Philips, which who had just bought Lightalier. So really, I was part of the Lightalier team, which is a, a downlight cylinder manufacturer owned by Philips at that point. Uh, went through training, kind of restarted my whole uh, career there, uh, went into a different avenue. Uh, one of my wife's best friends was actually working for Philips, kind of little, you know, referrals are, are the key to life uh, and and opened up the door. And, uh, you know, we both shared a, a mentor with uh, Jim Livingstone, who helped uh, usher us and get us to the point where, you know, we made a decision to say, hey, we know what we're doing. We know what this is about. And if we really want to win. Um, we need to, to pull the key sales members together to start Chicago Lightworks. And that's what we did. Got it. So uh, it, because me and Will were uh, totally oblivious to this, tell us uh, quickly, a lighting agency, like why do lighting agencies just exist in the first place? Why aren't they just all internal sales teams? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as we look through, you know, the go-to markets that everyone has, right? And where do you spend your capital and what, what defines your company, right? And, you know, in the LED world, right? Uh, and everyone knows what LED is now, but at one point it was at its infancy, right? And, and as technology changes, you find these companies that are leader innovators. They, they spend their time and, and money on innovating and creating new. And that's who Philips is, is in, the, in their culture, right? Um, and, and with all these other manufacturers, there's thousands of lighting manufacturers in the country. You'd be surprised of how many lighting companies are actually out there and how many different niches they feel uh niches they play in i should say you know we exist because they don't have the capital or the resources to fund an operation in every different market right and now chicago is a big market and you see some direct influences in there with our regional sales manager or something but actually boots on the street calling on the channels right calling on the architects engineers lighting designers and then subsequently on the construction side of it with with the electrical contractors and electrical electrical distributors, it's just way too much time and energy, uh, and they want to go back to their core, right? And our core is sales, and their core is innovation and product, for sure. So, uh, explain to me how Philip said, "Let's let these great salespeople leave and go do their own thing," because most times that's like a no-no. Like, why would I let this amazing sales team just go off and do their own thing, and obviously pulling the profits for themselves? Well, that was that was definitely a question that was asked of us within Philips through the entire process of writing the business plan is you guys are doing great. Why would we do this? So what we did as the direct sales team was we won all the time in Chicago. We were growing Philips's business and Philips was creating a structure of going to an agency model in every territory. But there were just a few left and Chicago was one of them. They didn't think anything was wrong. And so we brought it to their attention um, through the loss of a few key salespeople and through the fact that our revenue was not growing and our numbers were not growing to the extent of our competition, that if they really wanted to win in Chicago and they wanted to keep the sales team that they had, we needed to be unchained. We needed to be independent. And we wanted to represent them. Philips Light, former Philips Lighting, now Signify, has is a leader in innovation. We are extremely loyal and we believe in who they are and what they do. And we said, we want to represent you, but we want to grow your business. And through a process of six or eight months of pitching it to all the way up the channel to the CEO, uh, we got approval. Well, that that's brave. I mean, that's anytime that you have to tell the CEO, hey, 
we want to take this piece of business and go off on our own. We'll see you later. Uh, it was great knowing you. Uh, and again, it was never it was never in a form of a threat. But man, they knew that if this wouldn't go well, <laughs> if we couldn't do what we were asking to do. And your beginnings are so much more unique. It wasn't like starting like one person. You had 19 people like right from the beginning. Right. And and a book of a business. Um, so, you know, this transition, right, must have changed a few things, including culture, right? So what changed in your culture after you left Phillips or did anything change? Mike and I, that was the, one of the number one things we wanted to do was look at people, process and products and the culture part of it on the people side and the process side was huge. And we talk about this a lot in and when you have an outside sales team and an inside sales team, there is there's there's always a little bit of strife as to whose responsibility is what and who gets what privileges and who gets to be out and about and who has to be chained to their desk. And we were it was becoming toxic where we were before. And so that was one of our key goals with this company was to empower people on the inside and the outside. Everybody has a voice. Everybody's important and respect the person next to you even more so than you do your customer. And so the toxicity levels um, greatly, they changed pretty rapidly because there was really a zero tolerance for it. Got it. So uh, and I want to get back to culture, but other than culture, you've grown a bunch in five years. So you've grown 19 to like 50 people. That's huge growth. That's, that's what we call building scale. Ha <laughs> ha, you get the plug there, right? You get it? Um, <laughs> So that comes with complications. That's just how it works, right? Like we know that like business is not easy to grow because if it was, then everybody would grow one and that, that'd be it. So what challenges did that bring going from 19 to 50 people in a, a very short period of time? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, we could sit down and say, all right, do you have enough computers for everyone, right? I mean, it, it goes down to the simple sides of life. But when we open, you know, it it's funny as we as we dive into the past because you don't remember the stuff you get through until you reminisce. And at the time you're reminiscing, it it wasn't very much fun while you were going through it, right? Uh, I, I I undergo I you know I tore my Achilles two a month and a half before we opened our doors, right? So uh, I'm laid up. It's my right leg. I can't even drive. We don't have an office space. We're trying to set up. It, coolest story ever. Not to live through though. That's for sure. But, it, you know, when you start at that level where we're working on Costco tables because we don't know where we're at, we have a space, uh, you know, you you, you, ba you basically build up these calluses for life of like, we're just going to put our head down and get through it. The challenge is outside of just, hey, we're, we're opening our doors and figuring out it really it's about the people. Right. And how do you organically grow that culture? Because we knew it was one of our main talking points in and not talking points, but one of the main inflections that we thought we could see the best success in the market, right? Everyone has choices of where you do business and why you do business people. We believe people want to do business with people who respect them and say thank you and answer and do all the other good stuff that seems human nature. But when you have that culture that has a level of toxicity to it, people don't respond that way. They look at things in a negative slant. So we simply systematically grew the business uh, day by day by finding good people. Uh, we'll talk through referrals and all the other good stuff, but you know, 90% of our, somewhere around 90% of the people in this building are referrals or friends or someone who's connected to someone. 
it's not always, do you have the technical aptitude? Do you understand lighting? Like, let's boil it down to our core basis of, are you a good person? Let's start there, <laughs> you know? Um, and when you do it at that note, you're really able to pull in some teachers or pull in someone who owns a bar. Or you pull in, you know, you know, the people that you know that are, are going to sit down, put their head down, work hard, but also at the end of the day, not build that animosity that could come when you're when you're working really hard and you're stressed out. That's for sure. Yeah, we didn't plan on growing this agency with people that have done agency work their whole life. We wanted a fresh start. We wanted to grow our own. And it's hard. It's hard in the beginning. You have to have the fortitude for a lot of teaching and a lot of questions and a lot of patience, but it paid off. So it's, it sounds like culture, right? So we talked about, you know, respect, empathy, trust, like, you know, all, all the, the headlined uh, things, they, they sound more marketing, but it sounds like, are you a good person? And are you ready to learn? Like, are you willing to, like, to learn? And obviously on your end, are you willing to teach, right? As a leader, are you willing to teach? Would, yeah. would that be a, 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 more, a less marketing way to explain your culture? Or actually, how would you explain your culture uh, when we don't use the, the fun uh, marketing words? No fun. Well, we just, we hire people and we say, if you're not asking questions, then you're failing. Awesome. Uh, we, we know immediately from a new person that joins our team, if we don't hear from them daily, if somebody's not hearing from them daily, then something's wrong. Um, Mike's been known to tell people, just go screw something up using different colorful language. You know, go screw something up and learn from it. Let's not do it again, but just go be brave. We love winning. And I think that that's something that we are, is gonna be at our core as we continue to grow and define what our core is. Really that toxicity that we talked about trying to eliminate as it started to it dissolve, we really push three characteristics within everybody, which is trust, respect, and empathy. And um, to the point where at the end of our, at, at the end of 2018, we had a company meeting and we explored those three things and we tried to instill it more and remind everybody of how important it is. And it's, it's been really successful, but it's, it's accountability holding people to actually practicing what we preach. So this is interesting, uh, which goes to uh, another topic. One thing is hiring, but another thing is keeping the, those people and then making sure that they are continuing to do what you want them to do for your organization. That circles revolves around a key point of training, right? So have you met, have you guys mastered it? And how do you train your people to be the best at helping your customers? Master is a great word, of course. There's, there's, no, there's, there's no mastery here. Uh, we're in sales. You never know what you're going to get thrown at you any day of the week. That's for sure, right? I mean, uh, overall, the cool thing about what we've been able to repeat and how we do it and what we look to it is, is really we, you pull back to the core basis of what you're trying to train and what you're trying to look, right? And it's so awe-inspiring when you pull someone in who, even if they come from an electrical distributor or a contractor or an architect, and you explain the core business, because everyone gets so locked into what their role is or where they fit in the wheel and doesn't look at the over-encompassing wheel, right? So we really love to sit down and just peel back, like, why do we even exist? Like, what, what target markets do we go after? Why do we go after them? Why do we spend so much time in the architect's office or in the engineer's office or in the contractor's office? And what are they looking for? What are the values that they need, right? And when you, when you 
when you go through it that way and you and you look at it, you can build a system that that gravitates around the training and in going through certain milestones as we're going along. You know, our onboarding process, well, A went from there is no onboarding process. <laughs> Here's a Costco table and a laptop and and start clicking away and you'll figure it out. To you know, the, the latest hire that just started uh, last week was like, this is the best onboarding experience I've ever had. But it, it's that entrepreneurial spirit of like, how can we make this better? And what does it look like? And as people go through the training, we ask them to press us like, hey, what would you like to see better? And why did it work? And why doesn't it work? And where do you flounder? And what, who do you feel like your advocates are within the company? And when we get to that point, then all of a sudden, instead of saying, all right, here's your seat, take it, we go, no, you're going to go through and you're going to know the whole company. You're going to go through quotes. You're going to go through project management. You're going to go through controls. You're going to spend some time out with the spec team. You're going to spend some time out on the contractor team. So you understand you could build that trust, respect, and empathy for the person, your companion, who's going to have your back when they need it. And at that point, you've built this culture of like, I know what's going on and I know what I can do and I know I can be successful, but if I'm lost, I have all these uh, advocates on my side to help. Now we'd be remiss not to throw out a, the partnership because they have a ton of work behind helping us get this done. Uh, And then the leaders that we found as we've grown and we built this, uh, we've clearly found that we love having our hand on everything. We're just not very good at juggling all those plates, right? So we now have department leads to help usher people through. And and we still do our check-ins to make sure that everything's moving in the right manner and people are feeling that connection. But without our leadership team, we'd, we'd be lost for sure. So is this... Uh formulated essentially this training, right? So obviously you, it sounds like you got a lot going on, a lot of almost drinking from the fire hose a little bit. How do you, how do you distill that down to those, those people? And what, what's the hardest thing you got to convince your team to, to think that will also convince your uh, prospects and customers to say, Hey, this isn't just a person that's trying to take my money. So, you know, getting people when we're onboarding, let me back up. So we very much subscribe to, there is a book out there, as you all know, Good to Great. Oh, yeah. And it talks about when, <laughs> great book. It talks about getting the right people on the bus and then finding their seats. And it's so true. And it, we refer back to it five years later, even. And, and we, we just try to get the right people here that will fit, will fit our our winning goals, our competitive nature, our, our culture, our everything about us. And so oftentimes people don't understand what selling is. And so I think one of the things, the hardest things that we try to teach people uh, is really what is selling. Um, Selling is not used cars. Selling is not opening up your suit coat with a bunch of watches on the inside. It's, (laughs) I know, which one do you want to say? I got this one. Um, But we believe in a different selling process. And that's one of the challenges we face is, is people coming in here, they have everything that it takes and they don't feel like the seat on the bus that is a sales seat is their seat. And so we put them through a training process that shows them really what sales is. And sales to us is, is we, we train in a, in a process called customer focused selling. 
Um, it's, it's all about a process of discovery, asking questions, knowing what the pain points are, because you can't even introduce a product until you know what the customer is looking for and what's really going to resonate with them. And so we often find challenges with people that we know would do really well in sales and teaching them that sales is not what everybody thinks it is. Um, it's really more of a relationship play and a solution, a solutions, you know, job to provide solutions, not products. You know, we oftentimes would have in the beginning, we put some of some seasoned salespeople that we hired through this customer focused selling. And it's a three day workshop that we go through talking about asking simple questions and listening. And, you know, you get some people in there that have been selling for a long time and think that I don't I know all of this. I don't need to listen. And really one person came out of that successfully and it was because they went in there with an open mind um, and are willing to learn. And so it's moments like that where it's convincing the people that maybe come on board and think sales is one thing and showing them that it's something else, which is entirely different than what they thought it was. There's a philosopher, I can't think, maybe Zeno, I don't know, two ears, one mouth, use them appropriately, right? Like that's the whole the whole thing and sales becomes that. I completely agree. Uh, I would say probably six years ago, five years ago, I you know had the the dirty look of sales of like, oh, sales is this dirty man's game. Like this is the oh man, you're you're out there slanging cars or watches or whatever you know whatever uh, thing. But over time, obviously, uh, growing my knowledge base is like, oh my god, it's totally not that. It's like, how can I help you? Like literally, how can I help you? <laughs> and let me help you because I have the solutions that you need. Yeah, we were literally in a, a, a GC's office last week and just having a conversation. And there's there's an inherent level of distrust in salespeople that everybody in our industry has. It's not a salesperson <laughs> because there's a lot of salespeople out there that are taking an approach that isn't ours. And that's what we really feel sets us apart. And we're fighting that stigma every day. But it's 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 rewarding. It's rewarding to see the trust build. Yeah, for sure. And I think the one thing I would add to it is if 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 sales is transactional, then you're going to come at it at a, with a different point of view. Our sales are not transactional. It's relationship based, right? And at that point, you know, we want to be trusted partners within the process. We happen to be in lighting. You could pick whatever genre, a genre you want to look at. When we do it a specific way with understanding, empathizing, figuring out the pain points, delivering on what we can do. I mean, you also have to deliver, right? It's all good to say everything until nothing shows up on time. <laughs> but, but when you do those things, people come back because they enjoy the experience, right? And when things do go bad, do you show up and why do you show up and how quickly do you clean up the issues you do have? Because at the end of the day, you know, there's only a couple of moments in truth within sales. It's, you know, can you get through the door? Can you build a rapport? You got a job. Can you deliver? And when it gets screwed up, you got to fix it, right? No, and no dead bodies. No dead bodies, for sure. And those are moments of truth with us in order to say, all right, here's a repeat customer that understands the value we bring. Because a lot of the other market looks like it, it's transaction, transit, transactional. And that's the way cars are. So some of said, we're not buying a new car every year, every two years, if you could, great for you. <laughs> but in general, you're not going to see that person for three to five years. We deal with the same people over and over again, and you have to look at it with that value in mind. I don't know. Zig Ziglar might disagree with you. <laughs> no, dead bodies, or? <laughs> no, about the, about the selling, the selling side. But I think I think in terms of philosophies, I think if it works for you, 
right? And you're selling, and I mean, you've obviously grown greatly uh, with your process. That's something to be said, okay? I don't think there's any right way to sell. I think if you're successful, that's the right way, right? So um, I want to go back to something that was said in our in our pre-interview, which is you'd mentioned lighting is an expense that is often trimmed by the construction side. Can you explain kind of the complexity of what you guys do as a lighting agency? And then uh, that might be helpful to people that make these decisions to understand. Because even we, as we were talking to you, were very much enlightened and going, well, how much could you really do with lighting? Why not just go to Home Depot or whatever and just put in a bulb, right? <laughs> we're going to get strangled. Oh. <laughs> we're going to get strangled, Will. You better calm down. They're going to strangle us. <laughs> I think this is uh, over teams. Oh, <laughs> Zoom. Can we say that? Anyway, we're, we're on camera. We can't hurt you. Okay. So either way, the value that we as an agency bring and in many agencies, I mean, in general, a lighting agency is there to provide customers with, with, with information and product. We at Chicago Lightworks, the way that we bring value is we are there as a resource. We are a conduit between lighting, physical lighting fixtures and the design team and the, those people specifying those light fixtures. So the reason why you can't just go to Home Depot and buy fixtures for your office is because your office has constraints. Your office has design goals. Your office has energy codes to meet. Your office has different control requirements. And we work with engineers, lighting designers, architects, interior designers, to provide them with information, technical expertise, um, calculate, you know, like helping them figure out how many fixtures are in a space and samples of the fixtures, just to try to help them meet their design intents and try to give them an opportunity to build what their client needs. Oftentimes that then goes on to the construction side of things. And maybe there was a disconnect or maybe times have changed in terms of lead times or budgets. And the goals that the design team might have had don't necessarily res, um, translate onto the construction side. For sure, and one of those constraints clearly on the construction side is, you know, what is the value or what, what, are, what is the contractor trying to accomplish compared to what the specifier is trying to accomplish, right? And, and they meet in the middle to try to actually build something, which is always interesting as we get so tight into what we look at, what we do day to day, we lose the big picture of, we're trying to get someone in office space that they're excited about, that they wanna bring their potential clients or their potential employees into that shows the value in their culture through, we happen to use the medium of lighting. Um, so it's very difficult on our end because the electrical contractors don't have a lot of that context or the distributors. And of course, there's always budget, budget, budget. That's life, right? We, we all looked at what gas stove are you going to buy or what are you going to use and how you put it together to understand the time and value portion of it. And at some extent, the, elect, the, the, the channel or the construction world works the same way. We need to be advocate for the project and for the job. And that means that we try to help both sides of it understand why we're doing what we're doing, right? And if you've built those relationships correctly, you have a seat at the table to help usher it through and get it done, for sure. What just dawned on me, and, and it didn't come up in any of the times, what you just said is 
what what the end user wants. What they want to have a space they're proud of that they get to bring uh, clients to or prospects to or whatever it is, and that light has an effect. Like it, you literally have an impact on. I don't know, the hundreds of thousands of interactions that happen, which is crazy to me. I don't know how I didn't make this connection before. That that's amazing. Like that, if that doesn't wake you up in the morning and like get you going, like that, I don't know what does. Like that that to me, but that's just because I'm I'm that guy. And that's that's <laughs> what helps you wake up in the morning. You gotta turn on yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's that's right, that's right. Unless unless your wife's still sleeping and she'd stab you. But that's a different story altogether. <sighs> okay, so um working <laughs> yeah, work working on the business. I want to talk about that. So you you start the business here, right? You're going, you're 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 hey, we're gonna break off, we we'll do this whole thing. We're we're partners together, we're going in, uh, we're gonna manage these 19 people, it's gonna grow to 50. When when do you get time to work on the business? It seems like you you've embedded yourself so deep in. Obviously, the culture pieces have been huge, but like the day to day stuff just keeps coming and it never stops. Especially a sales agency, I have to imagine that you guys are continuously doing teachings and like, hey, like think about it this way, or or maybe we should take this approach and things like that. When when do you when do you get to work on the business? Yeah, so I I mean as as the business matures and as you put yourself in a position that you could start to reflect and understand, all right, what is the big picture? Where, you know, where do we want to go over X amount of time? You constantly get pulled back into the business, right? And in, in the little interactions that happen, right? We struggle with it. We really do. And, and part of it was, was being able to build that leadership team and having the partners we have to say, hey, can you take this off our plate? Because we need to spend time on understanding what our five-year goal is, our three-year goal is, understanding the size and scope and what markets do we want to attack and all the other good stuff that gets lost in, in the way when your head's buried in your computer. As we look through it and as we've driven through it, you know, we also are very cognizant of that most startups don't make it, right? So it's like we have time. That's the one thing we can control. And if it means that we're we're working a ton of hours, as a lot of uh, a lot of the team does here, we're we're going to do it, right? Um, but we've gotten to the point now that we're looking at another retreat this year to get the team away and really to start that next chapter for us. We're we're five years down, uh, five successful years. Uh, lived through a pandemic. Never would have thought that would happen out of the gate. And and realistically saying, hey. Uh, we don't need to be the person uh, plugging up the dam. We have people that can do that, that are, are that are doing it well, and we trust them, and we and they're they're the right people for the team. Where else do we want to go, and why do we want to go there? And that's it's really an interest, interesting time for us to have a conversation uh, on building it because clearly we're only five years into this thing. There's a long way to go still, too. And we. I think that to echo what Mike said about leading, leaning on people, we rely heavily on our team and not just the leadership side of, not the, just the leaders on the team, but also the people that are running or that are part of the team. Um, there's a lot of shiny things that appear to us on a daily basis. Just this week alone, we have five phone calls from five different different types of things that want to take our attention, um, lines or, or verticals that we could attack or something of that nature. And we have to, we use our team a lot to keep us in check on those little distractions. And we get the input from the people that are around us. 
And that is a way that we work on the, on the business every single day is trying to make quick decisions, put them through the sieve or the filter. Is this important? Is this what we need to focus on? But Mike and I do break off, I would say at least every four to six weeks and, and sit down and really, and look at the little goals that we have going on. But we are, we are on the precipice of, of really turning some things around and, and making big decisions on trajectories and goals for the future. Super exciting time. It's so like right now is like the, I don't know, I get, I get giddy thinking about it for you guys. Cause I'm like, oh my God, like they're, they're about to like launch. Like they thought they were crushing it already. They're about to launch into the stratosphere and they've got no idea yet. And it's going to be crazy awesome. And I'm super excited that we got to interview right now, because when we talk to you in a year or two years from now, you are, it's going to be like a whole new world. Like it's going to be all different. <laughs> You, you won't. You're going to be like, they're a distraction. We're not, we're not dealing with these guys anymore. We might not have time for this. Then. <laughs> so it's great that you were, that you kind of mentioned big decisions. Uh, I think this is a good time to shift here. Have you made any big decisions or shifts in your company regarding technology? Why? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's so interesting when you come from a, a, a big company like Philips, where, where our roots are, where we, where we, you know, basically are kicking off point and even the technology they had, right? And we looked at the technology we brought over. It, we actually left the high technology behind and took the low tech with us uh, as a sales agency. Uh, you know, overall, our technology is was a little bit archaic on the day-to-day process side of it, for sure. A lot of Excel sheets, you know, who would have thought? They work. They're simple. They take equations. They spit out. Or, you know, it, it works in theory. They don't share very well. They're not updatable. And then if you put them on a Google Doc, everyone writes over them and you can never get back to where you were at, right? So... At, you know, at that point, we've, we've invested heavily in making decisions to really provide a backbone that can be shareable, that can be usable, but still has the functionality we need. Uh, the flip side of it, as we look at technology, as we kicked off, we made decisions uh, based upon where we were, where we were uh, intelligent, intelligent or knowledgeable, I should say. Uh, we are not IT people. We're not. We now we work in the technology world with lighting controls and shades and everything we do with LED, but we don't. We don't know. I don't. I'm not an IT guy. Uh, so <laughs> we hired a really good IT consultant to come on board immediately uh, and outsourced it. it. I mean, to this day, he is uh, he's a savior for us and what we do and how we do and the limited downtime that we have. Uh, we built the company with his direction to be cloud-based out of the gate. Um, so the pandemic was no big deal. Everyone go home, and be safe, take care of your families, continue to work. Uh, so we made some really smart decisions following the right people. And then we followed our pocketbook a little bit on some of the other decisions. You know, we're at the point that we've we've set ourselves up that we have a system now that can continue to grow with us and, and use that as a as a leverage point for growth also, for sure. When you asked us a technology question earlier, when we first spoke, we, we really thought hard about, you know, Mike just expressed internally the technology that we thought about and the hurdles we had going from Excel to, to more sophisticated software and um, the switch and the quotes tool. So, but really we thought about technology in a different way too. And, we, every day we sell technology 
and we sell shifting and changing technology. And you have to walk the walk in order to truly understand what your customer is going through. And so we've said it a couple of times, we started off on temporary furniture, borrowed goods. And then during the pandemic, when everybody was gone, we did an office renovation. We're continually reinvesting in everything we have and do here. And we put in, we installed the technology that we sell every day, which is wireless control systems. We went from in the standard wired control systems to now wireless, which is where the world is going, especially in Chicago. And we're, we're struggling. You just saw in the middle of this interview that the sensors in the room turned off the lights, even though we're not here. It's a struggle. <laughs> but we, we truly believe in it. And we'll have our, our tech services come in next week and help us figure it out. But it makes us stronger as we're experiencing these things. And, and the cool thing about our team is the curiosity behind them. Um, too, in, in implementing this technology. We talked at the beginning of when we were all just conversing with the podcast about this, this camera system we had to install so that we could all see each other when we're in our conference room. And it, we have a genuine curiosity from the people here to push the envelope and make us better with technological things that we can experiment with here. Perfect. Perfect. What learning lessons do you have with technology? Ooh. Yeah, I, who, who doesn't have a learning yeah. lesson? I mean, where do we start? Right. <laughs> I, I think I think on our end, and we alluded it to it too. You know, we, we talked about shiny stuff. You talk about you know distractions. You talk about where your core competency is along the way. We rely on the experts on a lot of the technology side of the business side of it. Now, in the other spots of it, of where we're actually selling, we are the experts, right? And we attract people that are very knowledgeable that can help us through the situations and put us in. And there's, you know, when you talk where technology meets the road for us, it's probably been our biggest investment is in, in the controls division for the organization. And what we found out from that is you need to service it because it does not, you know, although it says, Hey, this is going to work. We started this call off. Have you had any wireless issues? Right. That's what we're dealing with day in, day out of how do you put people and set people up for success especially when they're like, the lights just keep going off. It's like, all right, we got it. We'll be out there. We'll clean it up. We'll take care of you. Um, so there, there's there's multiple challenges along the way in that. But in general, it's about knowing your core competency, hiring the right people to, who are the technical experts, whether it's internal or external, and then just really getting that feedback and really following through to see what the use case is, where you can improve. Is it successful? Is it not? So the next time we go through it, it it's a better experience for everyone. Everyone has a different way of like looking at that. And there's a service aspect that you had mentioned, right? So even when it comes to technology, understanding that sometimes you can't see everything, the fact that you're you're wireless, for example, right during during our conversation. So it's things that because it's wireless, because we can't touch it, right? It's well, wireless. It brings about a set of issues that have never been thought about before, or you just never encountered it because up until literally that moment in time, it wasn't an issue, right? There's there's invisible strings that happen. So I know while we didn't talk about this in the pre-interview, I still wanna ask you anyways, how often do invisible issues or issues that you've never encountered before pop up and how do you deal with those? Well, there's so many ways to answer that. If you're talking about in our business or showing, okay, in, in the business, invisible issues. Mm -hmm. 
yeah visible issues in the business i think that probably in my opinion it's really things that are not said it's more on the people side of things we spend a great deal of time walking through this office every morning saying hello to people trying to understand what impacted them that morning how how is it going asking a lot of questions so my particular take on your question is more about in, invisible issues are more because our company is our people more than anything. It's not our computers, it's our people. And when people's lives are not well, then we're not well. And so I, I think that we try to attack and try to bring those things to the surface and make people feel like they're in a safe place to where if it's just not a good day, work from home. Or if you need to go take care of something, go take care of your child because you can't concentrate if you got a sick kid at school. So in my opinion, that's probably the, the most major invisible issue is, is on the people side. I would agree with that. And I think, you know, at one point you talk through as you're, as you're, as the agency's growing and as you're putting in these, we hearken back on so much of the experience we had with Philips and being such a big company and the people side of life, right? As much as the culture was, was, we use toxic, right? Difficult over there. They also had a backbone of, you know, they're a great company for a reason and they really do take care of their people and they really have some great ideas and toolkits to work through some of it. You know, we came from there bringing over the how we wanted to be treated in general, right? So, you know, the, the review processes and understanding where you fit and having a level of accountability and having an open dialogue. I mean, you know, we spend so much time trying to trying to just say, hey, just let's level set and have an open and honest conversation. Because at the end of the day, there's just, something's crossed. The wires are crossed somewhere, and no one in this room is a bad person because you wouldn't be here if you were. So let's sit down and talk through the and get to the root cause, and then we can address how to move forward. The biggest thing we've done though is we've empowered people to have those decisions, right? We don't, or have those conversations. Hey, if, if you have a problem with someone, address it with them. You don't have to get, we're, we're more than happy to be involved with anything that's going on. But if you really want to develop a relationship with someone, you should let them know how whatever happened made you feel. And if you do that, at least they know that you're coming from a genuine spot. And if they're not the right person, then we'll have a subsequent conversation and pull you guys together to understand what's going on. So I guess the invisible thing is always going to be the people side of it. Right. Because, it, again, it's it's what's going on in someone's head. And unless they verbalize it, you don't you don't know how to address it for sure. One of the things that we're going to talk about at sorry, one of the things we're going to talk about at our, our meeting, our company retreat and meeting is is really the the invisible issue of what happens when you skip a step. We, we've put together many processes over the past five years. We've tried to implement ways of working and technology and software and filing, but there is, a, there is a sense and a disconnect here of if you skip a step, something down the road, if you don't enter a quote number correctly, if you do not add some information from the light fixtures that you're selling into the quote down the road, that's costing people time, money, and heartache. And so we, those are invisible issues too that are caused just by skipping steps. And so that, that's another thing that pops up every now and then. Look, great observations. You know, I, I, that, I think that shows the difference between working in the business and working on the business. When you're able to take a step back and actually see that that's happening, 
right? And then as leaders, be able to then go back to your people and talk about this. Uh, and it's a process thing. It's not just a single task oriented you thing. It's 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 an it's a company wide thing. So very cool, guys. Love it. Lots and lots of trust, respect, and empathy in both of those answers too. Where it's like, that's that is the culture. That that is it, Justin. It's it's not just marketing words. This is true. This is really who we are. We're not bullshitting you. I get it. I get it now. Th- those answers. Like we're like, oh well, I I look like a fool. They like that is the culture. It is absolutely those three words, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a general process. It's it's a process, like everything is, right? We all have our good days and bad days, but at least it's rooted in something, right? And and you could you could look it through those different lenses to understand where you line up and and are you making the right decisions? That's for sure. Oh, that was that was good. That was impact. Was very impactful. So thank you so much for your answers. Uh, that leaves us with our last and final question, which we uh, it's near and dear to our hearts. Um, so if you could go back 20 years, that's 2002, tell, uh, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? You can each individually go. So take it away. Well, I, I, as your listeners may or may not know, you, you have a pre-meeting to, the, to these podcasts. And so I, I thought about this a little bit more since um, we first talked about it, but I, I still stick with I would take work a little less intently. And I used to say seriously, I think that it was smart to be serious about my work, but I was a little intense. Um, At times I could have treated people with more kindness and and really believed in the power of teamwork. Since I was little, I hated being working in groups. I felt like I did all the work all the time. Everybody else just skated. Um, and that that translated through to high school and college and to the beginning of my career. But um, building this company with Mike and Aaron and, and, and Jim and our partners, it's just been exi- exciting and truly, truly opened my eyes to what teamwork and, and kindness <laughs> can be like. <laughs> yeah, and on my end, I hark back where I was at in 2002 and what I was trying to accomplish at that point in college. And it makes me laugh general um, but you know I was serious he was not no, I was not oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I, I it's interesting is as you make decisions and, and where and what I, I think being a true person being who you are treating the people the way you want to be treated I, it, the old parables that go around forever of you know in it and it's even at our core what we talk through with trust respect and empathy you know if you do things the right way, enjoy the ride. You're going to have to work hard. Nothing's given away for free. That's for sure. Put your head down, build relationships, hold yourself accountable and, and, and celebrate the wins. And I say celebrate the wins because I, I'm extremely competitive for sure uh, and tend to mull over losses, then really celebrate wins more than I, uh, than I su- should. Uh, and then really, you know, if you s- surround yourself with the right people. And you, and you have an opportunity to do something as a team, it's unbelievable what you can accomplish. So really look for the right people you know you want on the bus with you and enjoy the ride. It, it, it'll be bumpy, but it'll be a lot of fun and you'll get to where you want to go. That's for sure. Ooh. When we first started the company, uh, Mike, he's always been very competitive. And I said to him, I said, you need to lose more. Because when, <laughs> when Mike learns a lesson, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. But it's like, you can see it in his face that no he does, doesn't. 
<laughs> because it makes you, it just. It well, you're supposed to learn something <laughs> from it, but I'd rather not learn it learn. if I could keep pointing. Nobody likes something, but, yes. you know. <laughs> that, that's good insight. No, I mean, I think that that's probably true for all of us when, uh, as long as you're, as long as you're taking that loss and like saying, I'm not doing that shit again. So like, <laughs> let's figure out how this works then uh, differently. So. And Lincoln mentality, you lose, you lose, you lose. And at some point you're, you're going to win. <laughs> Awesome. Um, I'm going to throw in all of your uh, social links and all that kind of stuff. Um, if uh, people wanted to get a hold of you or uh, Chicago Lightworks, what's the best way they can do that? Our website has all the links to our contact info, chicagolightworks.com, all spelled out, much to our chagrin. And um, yeah, our line cards on there, our contact information. We are hiring. We are growing. We want strong cultural fits. Um, and yeah, we just, we're, we're there. If you want to reach out, please do. Absolutely. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the people? No, I mean, honestly, it was an honor uh, to, to have this book be put together. Yeah, you made us feel super important. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, honestly, you talk about working on the business or in the business, and it gave us an opportunity to just reflect, which was, it's pretty cool for us because we don't spend enough time doing it. It, it, you know, listen, it was a great, it was a great experience with you guys. I appreciate everything you've, you've done for it. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. That's for sure. Well, uh, be proud. You guys have achieved a lot. So uh, like you said, not, a, not a lot of startups end up being five years deep and you guys are uh, on the trajectory to the, to the moon. So uh, be proud. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thank yeah. you guys so much. It's been awesome talking with you guys. So thank you. And uh, to our listeners, until next time, adios. Adios. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If this episode did help you, then be sure to share it with someone else who needs to hear it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or looking for additional help on your journey to find more wealth, scale, and freedom in your AEC company, visit our AEC resources page at spotmigration.com backslash AEC hyphen resources. resources.